Hello again, everybody. So good to see you. Thanks for joining us for another installment of Club 46, driven by Bridgestone. All through the season, we've been sitting down with all-time great Cleveland Browns. Today, we're giving you a little bit of a curveball. We're sitting down with an active great of the Cleveland Browns, Jarvis Landry. Jarvis, great to see you. Thanks for having me. So in this series, we go all the way back to the beginning. We try to find out how you got to where you are today. And in that vein, let's go back to your early days growing up in Louisiana. What was life like for a young Jarvis Landry? Um, I wouldn't say, would say it was too interesting. I, think, I say it was simple. You know, coming up in um, Louisiana, small country town, Convent, Louisiana, um, you know, everybody knows everybody. Everybody doesn't lock their car doors. No real crimes. Yeah. You know, nothing like that. Just football, and that's it. When did you get involved with sports? Um, from an early age. It was embedded in my family. You know, my, my uncles, my brothers, my mom played basketball. You know, you know, all of those things. It was like it was already set up. I, was, I think I was born with, like, balls in my crib. You know, so. <laughs> was it just football, or did you, did you do everything? I did everything. I started out. Baseball actually was my first sport. Really? My first love. Actually. What position? I play everywhere in baseball. Yeah. It didn't matter. It didn't. Ultimately, I ended up being a shortstop. But yeah. you know, when I first started up, it was I was everywhere. What about football? At what At what age did you first realize I'm pretty good at this? Yeah. Well, I always played in the in in my neighborhood on in the park or whatever it was, and for some reason, I always seemed to play with the older kids. And yeah. I think that's where a lot of my toughness and, and physicality came from. Right. Um, and. I mean, I can remember going back to being seven, eight years old, you know, running barefoot, you know, in, in the street, you know, playing football. So. Yeah. Who was your first idol? Um, my first idol, probably my brother. Yeah. My brother, uh, my brother who he idolized Jerry Rice. So that's how I became to start learning about football and learning about these guys that, you know, I never really paid attention to because, again, Ken Griffey Jr. was my like the best athlete in the world. That was me. your guy. That was my guy. Yeah. I didn't, you know, and and um, what was it that you liked about him? His swag, his game, everything. Yeah. Everything. His swag, his game. You know, left-handed stance coming. You know, all of that. The bat swing. The bat. So flip. did you practice the grippy swing Absolutely. and the Absolutely. finish? But I was right-handed, so. <laughs> so you, you just know. took it over to the other <laughs> right. side. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, at what point did you realize, Jarvis, that this is more than just a way for me to have a good time? This possibly could lead to a free education, and who knows, maybe a professional career. How old were you when that kind of sunk in? Um, I'd probably say my ninth grade year, my ninth grade season. Um, um, I started playing varsity when I was in eighth grade. Really? Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> um, the next year, we played East Ascension, um, which is a, a town near where I stay, where I live, where I went to high school, and I scored five touchdowns in that game. And as an eighth grader? As a, yeah, as a ninth grader. Oh, ninth is it, okay, grader. as a ninth freshman. Grader. Yeah, freshman. And at that point, I was like, uh, okay, like, you know, I could do this every game, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and you're playing at that point. <laughs> Some of those kids in yeah. high school are men. Yeah, and they were bigger than me. I was a lot smaller than I am now um, in high school. So uh, Wide receiver? Wide receiver. Yeah. Wide receiver. So making plays, and eventually I was just, you know, like, man, like, if I could do this every game, you know, never really thinking about the scholarship part of it or, or, or the future. Obviously, you know, I wanted to make it to the NFL, but just didn't know how the road would be or what road to take. You right. Know? I just know that I had to keep scoring touchdowns. Let's talk about your high school game because as a freshman, you're scoring five touchdowns against a powerhouse team. Yeah. 
What is it about Louisiana, when you look at the, at the caliber of players that they put, not just in D1, but ultimately to the NFL, what is it about that area that produces such amazing talent and usually skills position players? Honestly, I don't, I don't know. You know, I think for us, football is like a religion, you know, just like you hear about the stories in Texas and the stories of the fast guys in Florida. You know, Louisiana, you kind of get your all-around athletes, your all-around players, guys that can really play both sides of the football. And, you know, Ed Reed was a guy that kind of grew up in the district. And, you know, he probably was one of the guys that set the tone the most. Um, you know, I know from my brother's era, but once I began to understand football and probably my 10th, 11th grade year, who Ed Reed actually was, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. But I knew of him, but, you know, yeah. like who he was and what he meant to our parish, our district, our little town in Louisiana. Yeah. Understanding that, wow, like all of these guys come from here. Glenn Dorsey was actually went to East Ascension, yeah. the team that I scored the five touchdowns against. Um, you know, and it's, it's amazing. You know, it's amazing. At what point did you start hearing from colleges? What year? Um, sophomore season. Sophomore year. So you're a sophomore and you're getting these letters from schools. What's your take on the future at that point? What are you thinking is going to become of Jarvis Landry? At that point, I, I honestly didn't know. You know, um, I was just kind of excited that people actually saw and knew what I was doing and um, the player that I was. You know, I always, all the time, see um, the photographs of like Reggie Bush and all these guys, like they laying down on the floor with their boxes of letters around them, all the letters. And I'm like, I can't wait for that you know, to be me. <laughs> right. You know, and I think um, you had to wait back then. You had to wait until you were a sophomore before you can get uh, official letters and stuff like that. Right. I don't know if it still works like that, but they started pouring in they started as a sophomore. In. They started coming in. Did you save all of them at first? Um, I did. I yeah. did. I did. I'm sure. At my, what point did you say this is not a big deal anymore? And you threw it out. <laughs> well, my mom decided. My mom decided that I was going to go to LSU, so she just stopped showing me the mail. She stopped giving me the mail. Told the coaches stop giving me mail. So how did that go? Did did mom really just tell you, look, it's it's LSU or nothing. Yeah, pretty much. And were you good with that? I mean, I was good with it, obviously, because I'll be home. Um, you know, Glenn Dorsey, who was my first cousin, he went there. Um, you know, my brother was in Baton Rouge at Southern University at the time. And it just, you know, it was right. It was family. I hadn't been really traveled outside of Louisiana ever. So it was good to, to stay, you know, stay, stay, in, stay in town. I love asking this question uh, of guys that were heavily recruited. If not the school you chose, where would have it been? Oh, man. So I had an interesting recruiting process because Frank Wilson was a guy that was a receiver coach at Tennessee University, mm -hmm. along with Lane Kiffin, Ed Ogeron, you know, right. that crew. Right? Yeah. Um, Frank then takes the running back coach job at LSU. So I was going to commit to Tennessee because of Frank Wilson, who was a really yeah, he's a New Orleans native yeah. from Louisiana. Went up there, was my first camp, um, and I'm like, all right, this is perfect, you know. Have opportunity to play up here, it's cool, whatever. He goes to LSU. I'm like, all right, now this makes it even more interesting. Then Lane Kiffin gets fired from Tennessee, goes back to USC. Now USC becomes uh, in the recruiting process, which I wasn't getting recruited by USC. but You weren't prior no, to that. No, But Lane's all over you for that. Exactly. So Ed Ogeron is coming to my house. My mom didn't like that. And I, I probably shouldn't say this because he's an LSU coach now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but he had a black Hummer that he used to rent, I guess, when he came in town. Sure. 
and we lived in a trailer and he used to drive his Hummer up into all the way up into the house. And my mom hated that he was destroying our grass. So <laughs> she was like, so you're not going to USC. So driving on your grass may have kept you from becoming a Cali kid. Absolutely. That's pretty funny. Absolutely. Would you have gone to USC? I would have. I really? I would have, yes. Yes. I mean, Reggie Bush, again, one of my favorite yeah. college players. You know, I, I referenced him a little bit earlier, but like, yeah. So if not LSU, USC, yeah. most likely. Yeah. Do you ever wonder how things might have turned out differently for you had you gone to USC? No, no, I'm not. You know, I don't really think like that. Yeah. You know, I think all things happen for a reason. And sure. I went to LSU. And yeah. I'm here. Bridgestone knows you want the same thing from your tires as you do from the Cleveland Browns. Performance when it matters most. That's why Bridgestone Dueler tires boast up to an 80,000-mile limited warranty. So they're in it for the long haul. Because nothing says endurance like season after season of clutch performance. Bridgestone, official tire of the Cleveland Browns. Conditions apply. Log on to BridgestoneTire.com slash warranty for details. So talk about the transition from being a superstar at the high school level to being an incoming freshman at LSU where everybody was the best player on their high school team. Was there a transition period where you looked around for a minute and said, maybe I can't do it here? Um, no, it was, it was never that point. You know, I was... Definitely, I'm sure Odell and a couple of guys that I played with, I tell you, you know, I definitely was the one of the confident guys coming in that. Confident? Confident. Or cocky? No, <laughs> both. Confident. I like confident. Okay, more confident. All right. Um, and, uh, Odell may have been cocky. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. No? He wasn't, you know, and I think, um, you know, it's it's always good to be around an elite company because you can only either going to, your level of, of performances are gonna rise, or are you gonna, you know, get kicked out the door pretty much. Yeah. You know? So, um, you know, just find ways to, you know, make the transition easy. Just working hard, learning from guys like Russell Shepard, Tyron Matthew, um, Jordan Jefferson. You know, so many guys, so many great leaders that kind of paved the way to help me, you know, um, make the transition. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you met Odell? Yeah. Where'd you meet him? I met him at a 707 camp in Alabama. Really? Yeah. How'd it go? Um, we lost the camp. We made it to the semifinals. Yeah. We lost, ended up losing this to 707 camp. Um, but I had been hearing about this guy from New Orleans, this guy, this receiver who's, you know, we were like one and two in the state for us top receivers. And um, I finally got a chance to meet him and see what he was capable of. And I'm thinking to myself, like, wow. What was that first meeting like? Um, Did you know right away this could be a special friendship? Yes, yes, yes. You know, no. Man, not, not just really, I guess not anticipating that it would go beyond Alabama, but I think just, you know, recognizing, you know, his genuineness, recognizing his ability, his playmaking ability, um, and almost kind of wanting to learn how he do some of the things that he do, you know, and um, from the camp, we started texting, then before you know it, I'm hanging out in New Orleans with him, and he's hanging out in convent with me, and he's like, where you want to go to school? He wanted to go to Miami. My mom told me I'm going to LSU. <laughs> so I told him I'm going to LSU. So you had to convince him yeah. of LSU. Was that hard? It, it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, at a, I think at a point where our relationship grew to, he was just kind of, he came to me one day and he was like, bro, wherever you go, I'm coming. Really? Just like that. Yeah. And um, he got invited to the All-American Army game. Right. And he committed to LSU. Wow. Yeah. Did you talk about what you two could accomplish together at LSU? Were there ever conversations about being a national champion, having 
two dynamic receivers in that same offense? Yeah, I mean, that was the plan. You know, one of the things that we talked about, I know for for fact, our senior year of high school was just, you know, being legendary, you know, pushing each other each and every day. Um, and when we got to LSU, it was a bit more of a, it became a bit more of a transition for me than it was, was for him because I got hurt. So I broke my foot going into the season. So I pretty much become the fourth receiver and he pretty much becomes the second, third receiver. Yeah. And now he's getting the playing time and I'm pretty much just a special teams player. Right. You know, but. Was that tough for you? Um, it was. It was tough, you know, just knowing that if I don't break my foot, what could have happened? But at the end of the day, you know, everything worked out. You know, I, my last two seasons, I, you know, was able to lead the team in receiving. So. Did you ever have a conversation with Odell about maybe one day playing together in the NFL? Because obviously, both are going to be highly drafted. Almost never could you expect that these two caliber receivers could end up on the same right. team. Did you ever go there with Odell? Yeah. Our, our junior year, we talked about it. Didn't think it would be possible just because of what you just said. Right. You know, we potentially could be two high draft picks that whoever we get drafted by, we're with that team for the rest of our career. Yeah. You know, um, and just knowing our attitude and worth ethic and things like that. But, you know, one of the things we did talk about was playing together and how special it would be. You know, and, you know, we gave all these scenarios. Okay, if it's the third year, it's the fourth year, it's the last contract. <laughs> right. You know, we're going to find a way to make it work. Yeah. And, um, you know, it happened here in Cleveland a lot sooner than probably we, we both expected. Yeah. But, you know, it's something that I feel like in years to come can really retire together. Yeah. You know, in a sense, you know. So. Okay, so you're finishing up at LSU and you're getting ready to make the next transition, which is obviously being drafted into the NFL. Talk about that process, going through the draft interviews and the combines and the workouts and everything else. What was that experience like for you? Um, it was uh, tiring. <laughs> it yeah. Was, uh, it was tiring um, just going from training right after the bowl game, um, right after the bowl game, going straight into training. Um, then from training, going to the combine, and you pretty much, as soon as you get off the plane, you're from the hospital to meetings to meetings again. Yeah. You barely sleep. Then you got to go drug test at 3 o'clock in the morning the next day. <laughs> you know, so it, it was real tiring. Um, you know, the combine didn't work out the way I wanted to. Why not? Um, just didn't run a good time. Right. Just didn't run a good time. Ended up um, leaving, not finishing the combine with a hamstring injury. Right. Come back in pro day, run a better time. Yeah. And, you know, was able to run routes and things like that, which I couldn't do at the combine. Right. So that became a that became like the stressful part of the whole situation, just knowing that that was one probably about one knock coming out the draft. If I had asked you the night before the draft, who's going to select you? Who would you have said? Um, man. I probably would have said, I probably would have said Seattle. Really? Yes. Did they leave you with the impression they were going to take you? No, they didn't really leave me with the impression. It's just, you know, I think that that was one of the teams that I talked to, connected with. Yeah. Golden Tate was leaving, um, you know, like I felt like. They had a need. Yeah, you know, um, which, you know, it didn't work out, but it's cool. Do you remember that? Do you like when you played against Seattle? Do you, do you remember thinking, okay, they, these guys? <laughs> <laughs> not so much. Not so much because it didn't feel like, you know, they had to make that decision. And I think that, you know, that was if you really go back to that draft, they traded out of thirty-two, let Minnesota back in. Yeah. And then Minnesota takes Teddy Bridgewater. Right. 
you know, and then the next day they end up taking Paul Richardson. Okay. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like, right. no knock to Paul Richardson, but no, I'm like, I know. Yeah. Like, really? how did you spend the draft? How, how was your, how, how were you watching the draft? Uh, so I didn't go to the draft. I spent it with my family in Baton Rouge. Yeah. We rented out pretty, we rented out like a hotel. We rented mm -hmm. out all the, uh, like the ballroom floor. And we had a couple of TVs set up, um, a couple in a couple of different rooms. And pretty much everybody I knew was there. A lot of family, a lot of friends. Was yeah. that nervous for you? It was nervous because the first day, thinking that I'm getting get, gonna get drafted on this first day, there's cameras, right. there's hats everywhere, family everywhere, you know, and, and it just seemed like it was right. It was set for me to go on, which is my, which was my part of my dreams. Yeah. My, my goal was to be selected in the first round, sure. not, no matter where, no matter when, just right. in the first round. And uh, the first round goes by and Seattle trades out 32, Minnesota trades in, picks Teddy Bridgewater and immediately I'm just heartbroken. Yeah. Heartbroken. Go to my room, cry. Really? Yeah, absolutely. You know, as I feel like uh, I didn't achieve my goal. I feel like I let my family down, you know, in a sense. Um, and I didn't I didn't know. I didn't I didn't know what day two would be. I didn't know what day yeah. three would be. I didn't know if I'd get drafted or you know You started wondering that. Yeah, I started wondering. There was a time in the draft the second day, the day that I got drafted, that receivers are getting taken. And I'm like, wait, these guys have nowhere near the numbers I have. They didn't play the type of strength of opponents that I have right. played. Like, only thing, they is a little bit faster than I am. So It I, really does put, goes to show how much they look at that clock. And it's so, it is so upsetting, but that's also a part of the, uh, the passion and the energy that I play with that you know, you think the fast guys are the guys that really translate, but if you really look at history, the slower guys, the most complete receivers, route yeah. running, catching ability, they hold all the records. They right. make all the, you know, they have all the yards and the catches. Historically. Historically. It's, and and, and oftentimes are overlooked in the draft, come from small schools That's sometimes. It. That's it. How much did that experience, going to your room that night and experiencing that dis disappointment, how much do you think that had to do with shaping the player that you've become today? Uh, it, it, it lit a fire underneath me. Did it? It, it, it gave me uh, more of an edge. It gave me something that, you know, I I probably may have never, I won't say may have never tapped into if I didn't win in the first round, but it gave me something that I still hold on to to this day. You, you do? Know? You still play with Absolutely. that chip? Absolutely. There was 17 guys taken before me. 15 guys, sorry. 15 guys taken before right. me, receivers. Right. That, you know, and it's, you know, four of us now. Like, in, in a sense, like, that's really, like, you could really talk about. So you want to go out there every time you put your cleats on a football field and show all of the teams. Yeah, I said to myself that night that I got drafted to Miami, I said to myself, because um, I pretty much got the same question, you know, how do you feel about, you know, all of these other receivers getting drafted for you. And all I can say to them is just wait to the end. <laughs> right. The, let the end result, let the numbers tell in the end. Yeah. And then we'll see. So how gratifying is it to you to know that no player in the NFL has had the success at receiver in his first five years as you? Not just the guys that were drafted ahead of you, mm -hmm. ever. Right. Well, it's, it's credit to the other 31 teams that passed over me. You, know, you give thanks to them. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> They're part of it. You know, now God, uh, you know, God has His own plan for everybody, and I think that 
again, the, the way that I began to work and the little things that I kept with me that, you know, I can just go back to in my mind are that feeling that I felt watching these guys get drafted, not out of envy or not out of just, just feeling like I was, dang, like I deserved like not to be the 63rd pick, the 15th receiver, you know? Right. And um, to do what, what I've been doing, and I still just don't feel like it's enough. But, you know, to, to a lot of people, it's, it's history. And, you know, I respect all of the guys that, you know, m made history before I did. But, like, you have more to prove. I have more to go. More yeah. to go. Bridgestone knows you want the same thing from your tires as you do from the Cleveland Browns. Performance when it matters most, which is why Bridgestone tires are built for just that. Whether it's driving up to 50 miles to safety after a flat, confident control in wet conditions, or the dependability of an 80,000-mile limited warranty, Bridgestone's roster of tires has got you covered. Bridgestone, official tire of the Cleveland Browns. Conditions apply. Log on to BridgestoneTire.com slash warranty for details so you go you go to Miami and you come in as a guy that everybody knows from your college career what was that transition like from college to the pro game did it take a while to adjust to the speed of the game it actually didn't um, I so to take you back my junior year Coach Cam Cameron comes in and calls plays for us. Mm -hmm. Coach Cam Cameron's background, he comes from Baltimore the year that they went to Super Bowl. Right. So he introduces us to a digit system. Before the digit system, we were all concepts. So Houston and Texas were, were plays. You know, then we started going to 678, which is if you know the route tree, you know what route you have. Right. So when I went into the NFL, we, I went straight into the digit system. So I didn't have anything to learn. I was already, already knew it. I already knew it. So that allowed me to play fast. That gave me a little jump on other guys that was coming in, other guys that were just learning the system because they had just got a new coach. So they had to learn the whole system that I already knew. So I'm a rookie here teaching older guys about the route tree, about this. Because you knew it. Because I knew it. So. Yeah. What was the biggest lesson you learned about playing in the NFL? Um, early or, to, or no? Throughout your career, what's the what's the biggest thing you've learned about how to be a successful player, wide receiver in the NFL? Um, I say worth ethic. You know, I think a lot of things that go into um, the unseen. You know, the things that people don't see, the things that um, the hard work that you put in the off season. You know, leaving the training facility um, and, and going get on the table and having someone work on your body, massages, um, all the, the little things, the little details. You know, the off season. You know, taking time off. Like I finally now have a routine where I know I need to take a little bit more time off. But in my younger days, you know, it was no time off. It was maybe a week. And before yeah. the Super Bowl, I was already training for the next season. You know, and then the hits started adding up, and the years <laughs> started adding up. And you know, now I need a couple of weeks. But you know, I think that was what it was. Just being consistent in in my training, in my approach, in my work ethic, and right. preparing for the season. You know that you know when the season really came, it was it was kind of easy. When when the trade happens, what's what's your first thought? Um, initially, just like wow, heartbroken a little bit, thinking that I did nothing wrong in Miami. You know, thinking that I've I produced uh, since I've been there. I probably outside of my rookie year, I may be was most the leading receiver every year um, on the team. Was a leader in the locker room, on the field, off the field, and um, were you surprised by it? Um, 
I wasn't. I wasn't that. I was. It wasn't that I was surprised because there were talks mm -hmm. um, leading up into the draft, and you know, then they allowed me to go look for trade partners and this and that, and you know, I I, I almost felt like it was a tactic to just get me get my number down, um, and you know, I kind of was set on my number. You know, just yeah. just being the things that I did. You know, uh, there in Miami, and you know, I didn't really see. Um, a reason to take a pay cut um, to play there. Yeah. What were your thoughts of Cleveland before you ever came here? What, what were your thoughts of coming to play for the Browns? Because at that time, yeah. um, the Browns' image in the National Football League was as low as the teams right. can go. Right. And, and you decide that I can make this work. Yeah. I didn't initially have a thought. You know, we played Cleveland that, that my last year. Mm -hmm. um, and where we beat Cleveland, um, and um, I just remember, you know, they won like a game on like Christmas Eve or like New Year's Eve or something like that. And right. it was like the, it was like one in thirty or something like that in like yeah. the last couple of years. And I'm like, well, good for them, you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> what am I getting into? Yeah, you know. Um, so that was my initial thought, you know. And then afterwards, up until the trade, you know, happens, um, I get traded here, and you know, it's. Again, I'm, I don't know really what to expect. Um, I know that this place has history. Um, I know, you know, there are a lot of great players here. And then I see Tyrod names come on the ticker. Mm -hmm. Then I see Demarius Randall name come on the ticker. I'm like, okay. Wait a minute. Yeah, you know, all right. You yeah. know, like that's the start. You know, sure. you know, you had a quarterback, you got a defensive back. You know, um, you had a receiver. Then I see Carlos Hyde name come, and I'm like, all right. Like, you know, I know Duke Johnson was here, so I knew they had some talent already. Um, and that that point, I was I was starting to get excited. Yeah. When you came here and they made that five-year commitment to you, what did that mean to you? How did that affect your outlook on the game of football? Um, you know, I, I mean, I learned with the trade that this is a business. You know, and it's it's love in it, but it's not love in it. You know, um, uh, and and I can give my all to a place, but you know, sometimes that's not enough, and. Um, when I got here, just the respect, just the, the gratitude. You know, one of the things that I told Odell when he got traded here was like, man, when I first walked in this building, I felt the love. I felt like I, the people wanted me to be here, mm -hmm. you know? And that's one thing that, you know, I didn't always feel, you know? Um, and to sign my deal here um, to, for uh, five years, um, for me, it was something that kind of, it did something for me, but it was more for my family. Yeah. You know, it was more for my family to have that security, but also to have that freedom for when I take the field, I'm not worried about anything. You right. You know, I can just go. Yeah. And, um, which I do anyway, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to do but, it now. Yeah, it's easier to do it now. And, uh, take me, Jarvis, to the moment that you knew, and you probably knew long before the media and the fan base. But take me back to the moment you knew that the Browns had acquired Odell. So I'm in, I'm in my Florida house, I'm in my house in Florida. Um, JD calls me and he's like, is your boy serious? And I'm like, yeah, he's serious. Like that. Within 15 minutes, I call Odell and I'm like, bro, like, I really want you to be a part of this. I know this might be a difficult decision for you right now, 
but just trust me. And he hangs up, he talks to his agent, talks to his mom, the trade goes through in the meantime, in the process. JD calls me back on speaker with Coach Freddie, and they're like, dogs gotta eat, right? <laughs> and I'm like, it's done? And he's like, it's done. And I call O back, I just started crying on the phone, I'm calling everybody I know in my phone, everybody <laughs> that would answer, like, do you see this? Do you see this? Look what they did. You know, and just, you know, it was just, it was exciting. It was an exciting time. Yeah. Exciting time. I scared my kids, all that. Yeah, I was still screaming. <laughs> Dad, shouting, what happened? Crying and everything, every emotion. Yeah. So I know you're in the middle of it, and you still got a lot of good years of football to play, um, and you write your legacy every Sunday. But when you're done and you take those cleats off for the last time, what do you want the first couple of paragraphs of your bio to say? Jarvis Landry was what as a football player? He was a leader, um, he was a team first guy, he blocked, you know, he, he, he caught passes, obviously. Um, he worked hard, he had a great work ethic, he pushed other guys to be great, and hopefully a couple championships behind that. A couple division championships, a couple Super Bowl championships. If a chapter is a season, how many chapters do you have left? To the wheels fall off. That's a, that's what I say. That's what me and O say all the time. To the wheels fall off. Till I can't, can't go no more. Till I can't go no more. Jarvis, thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. Jarvis Landry, our latest sit down on Club 46, driven by Bridgestone. Please make sure to join us next week when we sit down with another great Cleveland Brown. Until then, I'm Jay Crawford. We'll see you soon.